0: All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, we're here. Week four. Week four. One more after this. Actually, the date for this will be the 10th, right, Pastor Clyde? Yes. Is that going to be the, uh, Ben's going to do uh, the fifth one on the 10th. So you'll have a, a break here of, uh, I guess that'd be just a week, right? One week. Uh, we'll be in Albania, so that'll be whenever we return back from there. Um Everybody's signed in, got your books. Morning, Carl. Got you some coffee. Temperature's good for everybody? All right. If not, I'm sorry. Morning, sir. Morning. All right, so week four. What's the title of week four? Anybody looked ahead? Spiritual service. Spiritual service. Kind of the culmination. Good morning. Come on in. Come on in you bring bringing more with you, correct? There we go. Good morning. All right, the donut guys here too. That's exciting. All right, so, so quick quick recap. Who remembers what week 1-1, one one? what was the title? What is the gospel, right? And we, have, we talked about four different things. What were the four emphases of the gospel? What was the first thing? The gospel is the good news. Correct me. We, we broke it down into four sections. First part: we, God is Creator and He is holy, right? Second thing was what? what? Was that? You could cheat. It's not cheating. It's not cheating. It's always open book. Um, humanity is sinful. Remember, we spoke to the reality of man and what what our problem is, and then. The third point was what? Jesus, Jesus is a sinner. He's our Savior. He's the re- he, he is what makes the difference for that. And then what was the fourth thing that, was, that completes that process? Everyone. That we make a response in belief, right? The Holy Spirit draws our hearts, and then we believe. And then we went into week two. We talked about what? Power of God's Word, correct? Um, we talked about four different areas. Sword, the seed. Hammer, and lamp. My rules are a little more lax than Freddy's with their hand raising, if you've, if you've noticed. It's because I struggled with that in school myself, so I empathize with those that like to shout out. Um, and then last week, we spoke on what? What was the title? Biblical sanctification, right? And we broke it down into three areas. Understanding, conviction, and affection, right? Right? And that conviction comes from our understanding and our knowledge of God's will as we move through, as we work out our salvation. And then, of course, our affection grows as we develop in our relationship with Christ. And that brings us to week four in spiritual service. And um, it's pretty simple. It's the, it's service and why it's spiritual. Uh, so we're going to begin to break that down. It's kind of a get or done kind of message. Um, it's where we start putting boots on the ground, you know, get our, get to be, becoming a part of the church and what it means to be a member of the body. So we start off here, it says, you may have heard people speak of serving. Now, what does that mean to you? As Christians, we are called to serve. So what, is it, what does that mean for any of you that when you think of the, of serving? Throw, me, throw something to me. In the church particularly, or maybe not, Carl? Doing a work without expecting anything in return. That's awesome. That's pretty good. Karen? Give it of yourself, that's right. So uh, I guess it's, I guess in some ways, a pretty basic idea of what it means to serve. But I think for us, the struggle comes in the application of it, correct? And that's what we're going to kind of look at here, what God calls us to. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serving one another, Right. So that freedom that he's speaking of is, that, is, our, is the salvation that we receive, right? And that we, we have freedom. But what's our tendency a lot of times once we acquire something or we achieve something um, in life? What's our human nature typically? Human says, look me, look what I did. Right? And then also just to kind of, maybe just sit back. You know, when you think about the idea of coasting, right? That's a gradual process to stopping, Right? So we don't want to have this idea of coasting in our life because eventually that comes to an end. Coasting stops eventually. It's you know, so like a glide plane. Eventually it lands. It's over with. So We're looking at something that's actually building and growing. Serving is not just about something that we do. Serving is more about who we are. Right? There's a pattern of behavior. There's, there's a constant change that takes place in our life that we should see over a period of time. It's not what we do as believers. It's who we are. Ephesians two ten says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You know, for good works. You know, James talks about it in his and he and he kind of you know it's it's one of the ones that's been debated over the centuries in the way James put it because he put such an emphasis on works, but the emphasis didn't come on works just on the, of, of our own, but because of what Christ has done in our life, that the works are a are representative of what has actually happened. So why do we serve? And this is a very simple answer. We serve because Jesus did, and he was a great example, okay? We're going to read through John 13, 1 through 17. It's a pretty lengthy section here. It's when he's washing the feet of the disciples. And we're going to look at some of these some of these points here. And it says, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them from the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, and Simon's always the one that gives us great commentary. And he said to him, Lord do, you, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, then you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to the Lord, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him, and what was and what he said that not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on their garments, and he resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I th- if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you shall also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he gives us this perfect picture of serving, right? And, he's go- and actually, there's, some, there's the gospel message even within this text here, because he speaks to the part in there about saying, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And the picture there is the, is, where we, is when we come to salvation with Christ. And then he takes it to the next left. He says, and he says, well, wash everything on me again. And Jesus said, no, to him who has bathed does not need to wash again except for his feet. And what Christ was alluding to there, speaking that his, our salvation is secure. It's once and for all with Christ. But we still have to walk out sanctification in our life as a believer. And that's where he's alluding to with the washing of the feet. So Jesus has given him his recapping his whole ministry right here in this one section, and obviously showing the heart of a servant. I mean, many of you have heard the messages before, but in that day, to wash somebody's feet, although we think that might be a little gross now, it was really gross then. You know, they didn't have, the, obviously, the footwear we have, um, and they rode around in, on animals, not cars. And the emission from a car is different than the emission from an animal. Um, and... Our paved roads were far better than their dirt roads. So feet were nasty. Feet were very nasty. And they had open-toe shoes, not OSHA approved. <laughs> Jesus displays humility. This is going to the next page on your blanks. And servanthood. And by doing this, this is what he asks of us. Mark 10:45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, Jesus' entire ministry was an absolute picture of servanthood um, for us for us to have. But it brings us to point one. A servant's heart sees a need and meets that need. A servant's heart sees a need and meets that need. These slides are nice. Y'all get to cheat, as you said, right? It's not cheating. We're giving you the answers. So Jesus sought to the dis- People's feet were dirty and needed to be washed. Now, obviously, there's a bigger implication to that, um, as we know from what happened there. But it was still a need in that day that the washing of feet, and it was relinquished to um, what would have been considered the lower part of society at that time. But feet washing was something that took place. Ask God to show you what ways you can serve. If your eyes are open, you will see many needs. So let's, let's open it up for a second here. Not necessarily speaking specifically, but what are some needs that you see around our church, something that you just, I mean, this is, you can sketch out some ideas if you want, this is for you, it's, it, there's no real answer here, but what are some, just, what are some ways around here that you, that you see on a daily basis, some of you may be doing it in certain capacities, being an usher, being an usher. yep, parking lot. parking lot, what else, cleaning, yep, Bring, Karen, bringing food to others, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and and really the bigger thing for you, the idea of meeting that need, is praying that God would give you eyes to see needs, and, the, and to not always assume that it's someone else's responsibility, or, well, somebody else's, I'm sure somebody else has got that covered, you know, or, yeah, well, you know, somebody, I saw somebody else doing that, but the idea is and it has almost less to do with the need in some ways than it is our heart as believers, that we would be in a position to be able to see where the body needs help and where it needs support. We have, we have a choice to make when there is a need. I think about uh, this story. Pastor Renee told this probably 10 years ago. Actually, it might have even been that long ago. I think we had moved into church here. And someone come up to him after service, of course, he didn't disclose any names, and said, Pastor, I just want to let you know when I was walking out of the church, I noticed there was some trash on the ground. Over by the door. I don't know if you could see about getting somebody to clean that up. Wow. That was that's a that's a true story, you know. And you know, although we may, I hear wows and I hear awes in here, you know. I, I think about how many times I've walked past a piece of trash, and I'm convicted by walking by trash. You know, I guess it's because of my upbringing. And I I walk by and I kind of turn my head because now when I go, I didn't see that piece of trash. You know, and and that's just some simple thing, guys. But it does speak. The reason why it's a conviction to me is because I know that I should just do it, and it really shouldn't be something that should have to be asked of me. And listen, guys, this is not an, we're not trying to compel you or to make you feel condemned because of it. The, bigger, the other side of it is, is being in a place where God is working on your heart and let, allowing you to see these things or where we can get in. And we'll see some of this as we get a little further, but just know that, that it happens. Now, that is a true story. We can see. The need and wait for someone else to meet it, or we can meet the need that God puts before us. Don't sit back waiting for your gifts to be used. See a need and meet the need. Pray that God would use you in your certain gifting, but in the meantime—and that's a key word there—meantime, do what needs to be done. You know, as as I've as I've walked in my life, as I've had experiences, even for myself. You know, we all have things that we tend to like to do, or things that we enjoy. Maybe we feel like it's a gifting or a talent at any di- at many different layers. But you know what? Sometimes maybe that particular thing might not be available for you to serve. Maybe uh, maybe other people don't know how know know that you're as, good as you think you are. You know, you know, there's different variables that take place. But the truth is, is having a heart as a servant. You know, having a heart to be able to just do whatever it takes and God is going to begin to mold you and shape you, and he's going to use you in those areas. Is, if you have a true gifting from him, it's why he gave it to you. It's going to be used, but the bigger picture here is more specifically is having that of a servant. You know, when I talk, I got a couple of my kids here this morning, and you know, one of the things that, you know, if you, if you know, kids don't need any help being selfish, um, just like us, right? So Luke, what's one, of the, what, what's one of the things we say in the morning before we go somewhere? Just one of them. Speaking about servanthood, I'm putting them on the spot. I didn't warn him about this. We say, be a what? Oh, yeah, sir. Be a servant. Be a servant. I was years ago. I was, I was. I was. actually in church, and I was with a friend of mine, and he, his little boy by. He was going over to a friend's house or something, and he, and I, and I was just happened to be eavesdropping on his conversation. And he brought him in, and he brought him in close, and he said, he said, "All right, buddy, I love you." He said, uh, he said, "Remember, remember, be a servant." You know what I mean? He was a little kid. Now, And it was just profound. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about the story right now because we have to be reminded of that. It's something that we need to work towards. And we're never, whether we're this tall or we're as tall as Pastor Freddie, we have to always remember to be a servant and to be encouraged in that and to exhort one another in that. And that brings us to point two. A servant's heart does not believe that it's above certain task. A servant's heart does not believe that it's above certain task. Jesus humbled himself and did something beneath him. with the idea of washing the feet, like I said, that would have been a subservient duty that he did. Some areas of serving are hard, dirty, boring, and hidden. And sometimes serving is fun and fulfilling. But sometimes it's just hard work. Sometimes it's doing a job that no one else to do. That may be changing that dirty diaper in a nursery, standing in the hot sun, parking cars, or riding the golf cart in the rain. It's just a reality. It's not always, not always something that we may love, right? You know, but the picture there is in those moments, what should motivate you is that you're given the opportunity to show Christ to the people around you. You know, when you're, when you're in and about this church, when you're in and about your daily life, people pay attention to what you do. I don't know if you've noticed that before, because um, I know I do, you know. I, I'm, I specifically, you know, not necessarily to bring something up, but we just, that's our nature is to notice what other people do, right? You know, isn't that, and it's in some situations, it's a way for us to justify our behaviors, our actions, and sometimes we're just, we're just observant people. But the picture is there, we want to show Christ in all that we do. First Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, we humble ourselves, put others before us when we serve. We give grace to those who may not deserve it. And that's a key point there. You know, serving sometimes means doing something for someone that you may not feel like you want to serve or feel like deserves to be served, right? Anybody ever feel like that? Or about only one? By humbling yourself and serving others, you are putting them before yourself. You don't serve people because they deserve it, but because you love like Jesus. And even to add to that, because of what Christ did for us. Not long before Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the disciples were actually arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. That goes back into, in, the, in Luke, I believe, chapter 22. Remember they were talking about it and he says, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And they're sitting around the table trying to see who's the greatest, right? They did not deserve the king of kings washing their feet, technically. And Jesus was trying to teach them that in his kingdom, the first shall be last and the greatest among you is the one who serves. I always remember in school thinking, man, if I'm in the back of the line, that is not the first of the line. You know, I'm running to get to the first of the line. I was the kid when the bell rang, I ran the lunch um, and got in lots of trouble for it. And I never could figure out the principle of being last in the lunch line because you got your food last. you know. But in the kingdom, it is different. And the idea is that we have a heart of being a servant and that we're ready to serve. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, and that's a key part of this verse right here, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? and the king answered them truly i say to you as you did it to one of the least of my brothers you did it to me and he was trying to obviously show them in the in that the, in the religious mindset that it was he's in, it's an all encompassing part of our life when we deal with serving people you know i think about even my life growing up and you know all of us were raised in different backgrounds and different um, different family situations and that kind of molds and shapes you as you grow up, the area that you live, and uh, you know, some of it obviously good, some of it obviously bad. But I can remember one of the things for me is you, you, we begin to develop bias in our life. We begin to either shape through media or whatever it may be. And I would encourage you in your walk is to begin to recognize and acknowledge those things. Maybe, maybe you had a, a, you know, a grandfather that um, said things that you know, maybe are not in line with you now as a believer, or you had parents that said things, but you don't realize that actually shapes the way in which you view people around you. Um, and I would pray that, that you would begin to recognize those things and not see a man or a woman or anybody for what's on the outside or for what you think or what you've been told over years, but, but look at what Christ looked at in their life, Right. When we look at somebody from that perspective, it changes us, and it should change the way in which we view those people around us as well. You know, because there's, they're out there. Whether you like it or not, there's, there's bias. But we are called to something different as believers, as members, especially when in the body of Christ. That, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, where how all of these parts work together. So pray that God would just convict your heart when you, when you see people. You know, that maybe you have this towards it. You can see him the way in which that he does. Our part three says a servant's heart does not seek praise and adoration from others. It does not seek praise and adoration from others. Here's some areas we need to be careful of not falling into while serving. making Trying to be seen by others. Um... Or serving for a pat on the back or for a praise of men. You know, and don't we all like that? I mean, if we're honest with us. I mean, everybody likes a pat on the back. Everybody likes to be able to count for something. Everybody likes to be a part of something bigger than they are and to basically grab hold of it, right? But that's not why we do it or should not be why we do it. And the only way you're not going to focus on that is if you continually focus on Christ and what he did in your own life. Because remember, we go back to part to week one about being the gospel measure. What do we know about man? Humanity is what? Sinful, right? The prophet tells us that we are, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And who could know how bad it is, right? That, that's who we are. So anytime we, we move into this place of self righteousness, there needs to be a centering of the gospel in our lives of realizing that, no, it's but Christ is why we are where we are. And we have to continually bring ourselves back to that. It's a continual center, and we sing that worship song that Jesus is the center of it all. Well, that doesn't change. He is, but we've got to continually be bringing ourselves back to that point and anchoring on that in our lives. A servant doesn't need to post on social media every time he or she serves. We must understand that serving is not about us, and I got a couple examples there. Hashtag serving. Hashtag making sure you're noticed. Hashtag look at me. Look. Look. We live in a social media, um, just drenched society. Um, I'm not particularly a big fan of it, uh, but I realize it has a need, and I realize it also has some very good parts to it, but remember what we are speaking to, this idea, of, this idea of just actually, hey, look at me, look, at, look and see what I've done, because really, when you do that, you know, where, where, are, you, where are you drawing the attention, to you or to your Savior, typically, Right? You're bringing it to you, right? Um, and, I mean, the reality is, is we have to be careful in that. Um, I'm not saying that you should never post things about things you're doing, but I'm making the point is that you should be checking your heart in every one of those situations, and you should be making sure that your motives are pure, and that, and if there is any doubt that you're not, then it's okay. You don't have to do it. It's okay. Don't draw the attention to yourself. Matthew six one says, Beware of practicing your righteousness. Practicing means you... Do it multiple times, before other people, in order that they would be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's pretty. That's a pretty deep. That's a pretty deep deal. That's a verse too. That's not a quote from me. That's Matthew six one. And I think what ends up happening, probably more so than anything, when we if we if our motives are like that, we set ourselves up for offense, um, and to be to be offended in certain situations. All of a sudden. You feel like you've done something great, you've posted that you did something great, you've told something you've done something great, but then someone responds to you that doesn't think it was so great. And what happens? You're offended. And what happens once you're offended, right? People leave the church, people are you know, don't, don't do their part, they don't show Christ. I mean, it is, just a, it is just a spiraling effect that takes place and it gets out of control. Because remember, it's not about us, so why would we be offended about something that doesn't have anything to do about it with us. You know? If we view it in such a way that offense can't set in and we've got to guard ourselves against it, guys. It happens. I mean every one of us can think of a time when we were, were offended at some level, right? Maybe it wasn't inside a church particularly. Maybe you did something at work that you thought you should have gotten more recognition for and you didn't. Right? But that's not the point of it. Be careful not to be let a set in. Four says a servant's heart understands that we are all part of the body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ. We don't just attend church. We are the church. All its members are important and necessary, and there are no unimportant jobs. All matter. Pastor Ben, in one of the first part of our DNA series, talked about the church and what the church is. You know, church is not these four walls that we come to multiple times a week. The church is specifically right here, the people that are in this room, the people that serve here, it, you know, the, the Greek word for it is ecclesia, right, which is the called out ones. That is the church. And we are called out by the Holy Spirit. We believe in him, right, as we learned out in the gospel message. And then the, we, we are the church, right? So we are all a part and necessary of what it is. It's not just the people that work here Monday through Friday. It's not the people that just serve here in different capacities. It's every one of you in this room and everybody else let's look at it here in 1st Corinthians 12 14 through 26 it says for the body does not consist of one member but of many and i i love this section of text because it's just so it puts a um, you know a, a character kind of to the to the body parts it's interesting it says that the foot should say because i am not a hand i did not belong to the body that would, not, would that not make me any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, and it has, how can an ear say anything, right? Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, and that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, I think of Mike Krakowski from Monsters, Inc., right? That's who this is talking about here, right? This is Mike Krakowski. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the foot, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable. And the other parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which or more presentable parts do not require? But God has so composed the body, and that's important, but God, giving greater, greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Church is not about you. It's not about your needs being met. It's about dying to self and putting the whole body's needs above your own for the maturity Of the body got an example here for you think of your lungs no one notices your lungs you probably don't wake up every morning thanking God for your lungs they do a job and your body functions are they seen do they get compliments about your lungs but let those lungs stop working and then what they are essential for your body to function and the rest of your body needs the lungs to do what it's supposed to do you know it's just a perfect picture of what the body of Christ is as a whole you know, I mean, obviously, it's all needed. I mean, think about, think about if you've injured something of any time in your life or even recently. Does it not affect everything that you do, right? Right? You know, we're talking with, uh, with AJ here. He's got his foot that he got hurt, right? You know, I was talking, I, I hurt my wrists, I think it's two years ago, and I still seem to aggravate it from time to time. You know, but when one part of your body is aggravating you, it just affects everything. Think about when you have a, a toothache, right? You know, how how I mean how much that just knocks you out of your game. You know, I mean, there's just so many things that happen in our life, and the same thing is true for us in the body of Christ, in the church. And I think we see it and we understand it when we read this section of text here. I think it's pretty plain. It makes sense to us. But then why do we not apply it in our lives? Why do we all of a sudden think it's different whenever we're now about in this room right here? Let's say we only got, we got 30-something people in here, right? It's a pretty small group. But... If one of us in here is hurting right now, I would ask you the first question, how do you even know? How would we even know? Unless we were in relationship. And I understand you can't be in relationship with every single person at every single time. But if everybody's busy about doing that, then guess what happens? Then everybody at some point knows what's going on and has a a hand to build a touch and to affect. I think about our life groups. How many of you are involved in life groups at this point? right? I mean, life groups is just a perfect picture of that for us. It's another opportunity for us where a group of believers can meet. Some, some of the groups may only be, you know, two, three, four, five people. Some may be larger. But think about it. Anytime somebody has something, a death in the family, uh, somebody needs something, I know on ours, you know, we've got a little group text message that goes around, and we pretty well know what's going on in people's lives. Now, granted, they've got to tell us in order for us to find out, but it's because of that, it's because the church has the opportunity there to be able to have outreaching hands and to be able to minister to one another. Now we've got to be able to recognize it, I and mean, this goes back to one of our previous points, you've got to recognize the need, and then you've got to be able to meet the need. There are so many ways for you to get involved, um, and there's so many things that need to be done. I think about, um, you know, when you when you make a, a sports team, you know, there's, there's obviously always the starting people, and then there's... You know, there's the guys that are the role players off the bench. But then in some situations, there's the true alternates, right? You know, that if somebody dies, um, you know, or if somebody breaks a leg, we'll let you come and sit on the bench, you know, or for a, a, a team at school or a, uh, you know, like a, a social studies fair or a science fair. You know, there's, they, always, they select these alternates, right? Well, there's no alternates in the kingdom. You know, there's nobody just sitting around in case somebody else can't make it. Everybody plays a role. You know, we got the NBA finals going on right now, and everybody knows, and, of course, Pastor Freddie can speak to this, how important bench play is, right? And it's not considered that those guys sitting on the bench are not good because they're not the starters. They know without those guys on that bench performing their role, that team will not be successful. That team will not win that game. Those first five guys, the best five guys on the team, cannot beat somebody else without those other five or six guys sitting on the bench. It's just impossible. Every person has a role. There are no alternates. For those of you that are new and and don't know much about our church, i got a couple practical areas here that you may be interested in. Our hospitality team, uh, that's the greeters. Those are the people that welcome everybody in in the morning, uh, tell everybody to hand out the papers, so forth. There's the parking team. Uh, You've experienced those guys. They're out there getting people out of here so efficiently. Uh, When we leave, first impressions it includes our golf cart drivers, people handing out greeters, our nursery, children's church ushers, the coffee shop, media team, and that's just a, and that's just a couple of them that affect us here on a Sunday morning. But the idea is that I would just encourage you as we go through this process. Because remember, the whole the idea here is we move into a place of you being been able to obviously be. Um, have an emphasis in the church be a part of this church be a member of the body being able to serve you know you've all for the most part experienced a season of being served up until this point at certain capacities uh but our encouragement is that now you would be to a place of desiring to serve somewhere something you know once again your schedules and different things going on all affect what and you can do but the idea is there is something there's somewhere that you can. There's a gentleman here. Um, I, I talked to him a couple of years ago. I noticed after service when he was, he was doing a certain task around the church. I said, oh man, that's, that's pretty cool. I said, I said, who, somebody lined you up on that? He's like, no, no. I just started noticing after church that this was something that just didn't get done. So I just, I just stay a little bit late and I go ahead and I just take care of him. I mean, he's like, no sense in me rushing out of here anyway. I just got to go sit in my car. He says, I just soon sit in here and do it. I was like, wow, I mean, you know, just praise God, you know, that's just the idea of seeing something, seeing a need, and just doing it, and was, and was happy because of it, and would have really, nobody really noticed, it just happens, right? Romans 12:4 puts the same emphasis, it says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, and the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And that's just a reiteration of what we saw there in 1 Corinthians, that each member is, has a place and has, a, uh, has the option to do something. Colossians three twenty three through 24 says, whatever you do, Right, so there's no, there's no bulleted list here that you have to hit. But it says, whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And that, you know, we have to constantly, one, center ourselves on Christ. Two, remember, we are not citizens of this world as a believer. We are citizens of heaven. So we're here um, doing a certain task, and we are walking out what Christ has for us. I've heard the example put before uh, by Dr. Tony Evans. He uses the, the reference of the, of the NFL, and he talks about how there's, you know, there's two teams out there, and they're competing against one another, but there's a third party involved, and that's the referees, right? And they get their instruction from New York City, right? That's where, that's where their rules come from. So they're sent down there to all these games, and they are to do what? Pacify the needs of the teams and the coaches in the stadium. No, they're there to, to be an uh, in, in answer to their authority, which is over there in New York, right, for the NFL. So they come down here on this field, and there's all kinds of things going on, and there's all kinds of emotion, there's all kinds of ideas, and it's the same thing for us in our, in our walk. And When we walk out from here, when you go to your workplace, when you go to school, whatever you do, um, you have to realize that you are not of this world. Although you are a part of it and although you are functioning within it, we get our calling and we get our instruction from Christ. And our instruction is to serve and to show Christ in everything that we do. So this idea of spiritual service is not just something that's been conjured up um, just for good talking points, right? It's a it's a true need of our church. What's some questions, anything, any ideas about that, anything that you've thought about, anything that's... Uh, you have any questions?
1: I think one of the things that uh, that is so very vital and important to believer, whether you would really say six months or six years or 60 years, we know that that the world is under the sway of the enemy. Uh, even in the beginning um, of time, when we look at what Paul said to fall, at the very core of his falling was himself. I wanted, I, I, I. Well, I mean, if that was his motive and how he operated, then it's it's not any secret that that's the influential power and the, uh, I guess, at work in the earth, in any culture. Right. It's all about me. Um, and when, when when Jesus told the disciples that I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he will, be, he, will be, he will live in you and reveal truth to you, part of that truth for us as we walk out um, who we are in the midst of this culture or any culture around the world, the Holy Spirit is constantly re- reminding us um, to not allow that which is in the culture to get inside of us. Or, and Paul says, do not be conformed to the way of, our, of this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind. So the spirit of truth is in us. He began to speak that which is only true. The, the, the issue here is we have to make sure that our the soul is part of us, the will, the mind, intellect, line up with the truth that we know so that now the body can function with that truth. And part of that is to make sure that, uh, like you said, service is a huge part of our, what we do as believers, because it it reminds us that we're not our own, you know? And offenses is huge. Jesus tells us offenses will come, but what short circuits the enemy's work in every believer's life. What short-circuits offenses is service. Yeah. I'm not here for you. Right. I'm not even here for me. I'm here for Christ.
0: Right. No, because our reality is like, like we talked about in week one. It, we struggle with seeing ourselves as sinful and where we, the reality of us is humanity. That's where the I comes from. Yes, Scott. Uh,
2: I was thinking about that same verse that uh, Pastor Freddie just shared. He put like the meat in it to so, like a two pieces of bread on each side is the beginning where it says to, uh, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice and then,
0: Romans twelve one
2: 1 that verse, which you did, uh, 4 through 8, but that's verse 1 it says, which is your reasonable and sometimes it's translated worship, and sometimes it's translated service, which is, yep. so I see service as worship also and then another scripture that comes to mind, uh, and I always think of this when I'm walking up in the morning, because uh, one of the biggest things I've seen at Living Word is, I, and I've said this one word, and that's humility. And uh, this David said, I'd rather be a doorman in the presence of the Lord than a king from whom you turn and hide your face. Right. And when I see the pastors at the doors shaking hands in the morning, Pastor Ben, that's what I think of, you know, that right. humility of.
0: Yeah, it's important. You know, no, and even in, and on top of that, Romans twelve, where we talk about it, one, it starts to that we would understand the will of God, is the last part of that section there too, and it just all of that culminates for us understanding, understanding the gospel message, and understand why we do what we do, and why it it affects us in our life the way it does. That's powerful. That's good. Humility. That's a good. That's a good word. It's a good takeaway word. What else? Pastor Glenn
3: that I find useful and maybe the Lord finds useful for me to learn is that uh, you know we, if, if you start your morning off and simply ask for help right. you know, in every area but this is a good area to, for that. You know, just have that reminder, help yourself remember that we need help and you know as we've shared today, help is available. you know we have not but we ask not but the Lord is there to help. If we, you know, sometimes we get busy and we can't hear that still small voice. But I know that if I ask for that help, somehow, some way, it'll help me hear that that voice and guide me. Or you know, when I get to a situation and I think I know the answer to it, I just hesitate a bit, and I I usually get a better answer if I listen a little bit. Right. So I, I just think it's good in spiritual service is the same thing. Lord, help me to, to see the opportunities I have. Help me to act on them. Give me the wisdom. Give me an opportunity. Give me the chance. To. Right. And I believe that uh, you know, God is faithful in doing that and he will use us in ways that we would probably miss if we don't <coughs> do that, that thought process.
0: Right. No, that's good. You know, We typically usually have two different uh, personalities or approaches to things. One, we we short arm it. We kind of draw back and we don't do anything. And then there's the other person that just jumps out there and does everything. You know, um, and they, it is what it is in that situation. And both of them require that same thing: taking that time and you know stopping for a second, thinking about it, and kind of and then and moving forward with it, letting Christ lead you. You know, our compulsion um, sometimes gets us in trouble, right? And, we have, and that's got to be thorough. I think about just something as recently as I did yesterday. We were at my parents' house, and we were eating uh, crabs. And we were dumping them in the hamper to, uh, out of it to, to boil them. And I, they had been sitting on ice, so my assumption was they were kind of a little lethargic. You know, as if you've been around crabs, they're kind of slow moving when they're cold. Um, so just this would have been out of compulsion. I picked one up, and I walked over, and I was holding it to Logan. I said, Logan, I said, stick your fingers in, in his pincher. You know, so my thought was, first of all, I wasn't sure if he would even do it, but my second thought is that if he did, it probably wouldn't be that bad. Well, if you want to talk to him after service, he's got a nice mark uh, on his finger, and it, it created a real exciting moment for us um, as, he, uh, as, we, as he screamed and yelped um, until we uh, got the pincher off. But, you know, that was one of those moments I probably should have, um, probably should have considered something a little bit different, right? You know? Now, of course, I wouldn't have had this great story to tell you this morning, and he wouldn't have the mark to show off to all his friends. So it's, you know, it's not all bad, but the same thing goes for us in our, in our spiritual walk and as we serve. You know, um, just in those moments, we just need to, like Pastor Claude said, start each day off seeking Christ for, for where you need to go, what you need to move. If you're like me, you know, I tend to wake up with a level of anxiousness just about life, in general. I don't know what it is. It's probably something to do with my personality. And I've got to just sit down and stop. You know, I started living out my whole day and within ten minutes I'm overwhelmed. You know, I mean like and then I all I've done all I've done is sat there. You know, so there's a there's a we've got to sit down and this idea you know, Ephesians 5:25 speaks about the washing of God's word, the water of his word working in our lives. And that speaks back to the sanctification process that we talked about last week. Um, all of that plays hand in hand in our lives and culminates in the area of service for us. Um, and you're going to make, you know, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to do really good things. But the reality is, is keeping our hearts pure on what Christ did, did for us. Anybody else want to add to it? Questions? Comments? Concerns? Snide remarks? Please, none. When you look at the title of this lesson, spiritual service, we know that which is spiritual is not natural. Right. And that which is natural can never be spiritual. So service is not natural. Right. There you go. It's, you got to work at it. That's right. That's good. Of course, that's the part where he talks about in yeah. exhorting in the last part there when we read through in uh, Romans twelve four exactly. generosity one who leads with deal you know, mercy cheerfulness one who exhorts his exhortation you know encouraging yeah. praying of course. The
3: one thing that, that, that keeps standing out in my mind, this is something that that help me to stay humble is remembering that, that Jesus told us that if you're doing things for the approval of man, that that's all the reward that you will have. That's right. And you do it for a good show. I like do everything just for the Lord, and, and then you're stacking your
0: treasures up in heaven. That's exactly what the Scripture says. Well, that's good. Always, there's always opportunity. What else? Yes, ma'am. My like, uh, like
1: serving is definitely a sacrifice as well. Sometimes you feel like, you know, if you're it for God, you might sometimes you might feel like you don't have the will or the
0: strength to do it. But if, when you're doing it for God, you will give you the will to put you the strength. That's continue right. Continue to serve Him and sacrifice your know, work for Him. That's right. That's exactly right. Look, the Bible has far more to do in our lives with suffering and, and and working hard than it does with the other side of it. That's very true. I mean, look, what did, what did Paul say? He said he toiled and he struggled, right? He said, I finished a fight. I finished a race, I fought the fight, I kept the faith. I mean, none of that to me says anything about, about easy, right? No, that's exactly right. No, you gotta push, You got to push past. Of course, the check for us in those situations is obviously not to get ourselves outside of that and then lose sight of, you know, your spouse and your children um, and your job and the other areas as well. I mean, we can swing, you can swing that in either direction, but you're right. It is having this idea of struggling and, and toiling is a, is a reality. Cameron, Fallon, our FaceTime friends, you got anything for us? They've been with us every week via, via FaceTime. All right, anything else? Questions? Any more? It's last chance. Week four. When are we going to meet again? The 10th, that's right. That's right, and that will get us all finished up. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Father, for this time. God, I thank you, God, for these, for these classes for growth track. God, for the opportunity, God, for us to come together. God, as your body, God, as the called out ones. And God, I pray, Father, that we would all leave here differently than the way that we came in. God, it's your, your word, God, will have spoken to our hearts. And that you're beginning to stir things up, Father, of, of God, or where we can, God, serve you, and where we can serve your body. God, I just ask, God, that your hands would be on every situation, upon every thought, and God, that we would be diligent, God, to just be busy about proclaiming your name, God, advancing your gospel, God, discipling, God, in all of the areas, God, that come with bring glory to you.